to speak Are you smart? But don't change your hair for me Ah, uh, that's Frank Sinatra Not if you care He really likes his funny Valentine We're going to have our Valentine program tonight on the Tom Kearney Show. That's what you're listening to on AM 680 WPTF 98.5 FM. We hear every night Monday through Friday from 9 to 10 with a little bit of live and then real-time radio that we hope is edifying and entertaining. And when the lady who is visiting us tonight is here, it's usually a little bit of, or actually a lot of both of those. And I, I know you're not supposed to have, have favorites among your children. Children is in quotes there. But uh, I always really like it when Miss Pam Beck comes to visit with us. Pam, are you there? I am, Tom, and thank you for inviting me back. Well, we, we, I, I think I've been inviting you back for about 15 years or 20 or something <laughs> like that. It's uh, been a while. And we go back to about 1990 in, uh, in other ways. But in any event, uh, Pam is a, uh, a, uh, a, a journalist, a gardening writer, and a speaker. She is the presider over, I hope I get this right, Pam Beck Gardens, is that correct? Yes, sir, that's correct. Dot com, and uh, you're a popular lecturer in this part of the world. You uh, you write about uh, plants and gardens. Uh, you appear sometimes on the Saturday morning gardening show with Mike Raley and, and company, and uh, you're kind enough to visit us several times a year. I was telling Mrs. Kearney tonight that you usually come at uh, Christmas, at Valentine's Day, and at Easter, and whenever we can work you in after that. And when you come those three days, your purpose is as much historical as gardening-wise, and that is you help us understand the plants that are associated with with the holiday. And, and uh, Christmas and Easter both have plants that, that are uh, unique to them, and Valentine's Day does too, and uh, we're glad that you can be here with us tonight and give us a little bit of the history of Valentine's Day and talk about some of the plants and flowers, and uh, uh, I think one one year you drifted off into recommending a- aphrodisiacs and so on. That's a fancy <laughs> word that I, that I now hope I can say on the radio, but in any event, uh, 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 Valentine's Day is the, is the holiday of, of romance and love, and I think it started being both of those and fertility, too, And uh, but you'll explain that, so... Uh, I'm going to toss, using a sports metaphor here, I'm going to toss the ball to you and, and let you let you go at it. And I may keep it a little bit along the way. Well, please, please join in because we have uh, had so much fun talking about this. And Valentine's is a festival for a lot of us in this country to celebrate romantic love. Uh, oftentimes we think of uh, motherly love for Mother's Day, and we'll we'll celebrate people's birthdays and things like that. But when we think of Valentine's, it is all about the Romeo and Juliet stories and, and that type of thing. So um, it is a time of showing expression to someone you love through an old form of using oftentimes plants or plant-based materials to to show that expression. And I like to think that ever since uh, Eve handed Adam that proverbial fruit of the tree of knowledge, uh, couples have shared eating plants with each other as an expression of love. 
and with some physical desire attached to it. And whether it's to find a mate or <clears throat> just celebrate your relationship, it's, it's a good time to do that. And oftentimes this time of year we think about giving each other flowers. And um, one thing I would like to start with tonight is, is the, that there's flower color symbolism as well as there's meaning to the flowers themselves. And probably our favorite flower to give each other are red roses. And I know sometimes in the past you would play the Wayne Newton version of um, I've got uh, red roses for a blue lady. Do you remember playing that on the show? Oh, I did. John may play that out of the halftime break tonight. Oh, that would be great. Uh, but red flowers, red roses in particular, they send a very clear and powerful message of intense romantic love. Red is the color of passion. And so anytime you have a red flower, it is to let somebody know that that is, that is really, that is your deep, deep love. And um, so that's a very popular thing. But I want all the guys out there who are thinking, well, I can't afford uh, a dozen red roses or two dozen red roses. What else could I use? Well, here's other things that represent other different kinds of love. For instance, orange flowers. Um, orange are bright and cheerful, and they offer happiness and joy. So if you were going to uh, maybe give your beloved some um, some orange Gerbera daisies or maybe some marigolds or something like that. It would be a, a warm, loving message, but maybe not quite as, as passionate or intense. Pink flowers um, are often thought to represent a kind of a sweetness or an innocence. Um, pink is the color that we think of with little girls, and um, it's a delicate flower. So pink... Um, is often uh, beautiful and sweet. And um, if you go on, then yellow is a uh, another color that a lot of people like to use too. Um, yellow is um, is respect. It's also cheerful. So you've got lots of choices this year, Tom. You know what? I can I share something I discovered today while preparing for your program. Sure. I read this on the Internet now, so I hope it's true. But uh, one of the things that was mentioned is, to, you, know, you know, a catalog of, of the roses, what each color may have represented, like you know, mm -hmm. yellow roses are tend to be toward friendly and, and nice and sweet. And Anyway, they said purple roses represent a very new relationship or an especially hot one, if you, if you will. So, uh, <laughs> Gabor. <laughs> <laughs> as many times as Elizabeth Taylor. 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. Now, um, there is white, too, though. White is uh, are often used in wedding bouquets uh, because they are the most associated with uh, purity and innocence, and um, it is a, a an elegant uh, flower. And this is something that if you wanted to give someone, if you... If you have a, a sweet, pure love for that person, um, white carnations, orchids, calla lilies, daisies, you know, it, nothing is sweeter and more innocent looking than a little daisy, and that's, that's kind of a, a nice thing to think about there, too. So the colors, as well as the flowers, have symbolism, and the flowers, it's interesting, uh, there, there are meanings that have been associated with these throughout time, uh, but especially during the Victorian times, uh, it was it was popularized to look at flowers, and when you gave a flower to someone, it, it came loaded with meaning. And so if you were going to give someone something, it, it, was, it was meant to give them a message from you because you were perhaps too, too shy, maybe, to say, for instance, if you gave someone a camellia, and, and by the way, I do want to encourage some of these people who are thinking about buying flowers for each other, think about giving each other the whole plant, you know, so that it, it sticks around a while. It doesn't have to just be cut flowers. <laughs> but if you gave a camellia, for instance, that means that um, that's a symbol of loveliness, excellence, and I love this, my destiny is in your hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, the weather in this part of the world has been kind to camellias so far this year. It's not, uh, we have camellias, and they tend to be very beautiful, and then there's a cold snap, and they start to, And we haven't had that really cold. I mean, we've, we've had chilly weather, but we haven't had that severe cold snap yet. It makes them turn brown, you know, and something right. like that. So. Yeah. Now, I do have one of ours um, that is called White by the Gate. It is a, an absolutely outstanding camellia. It's one that was recommended to me many years ago by Ann Clapp, whom a lot of your listeners may be familiar with from the Weekend Gardener show. And Ann, when she was um, at a, working a, a plant sale, mentioned to me what an exceptional camellia this is, and it has been blooming since probably before Christmas time. So every time we get a frost, the new flowers turn brown, but it's got so many buds coming behind it that as those fall off, we'll continue to get white camellias from that plant for a long time. And it's, Think about it's now what flower you would like to talk about after we take this break. And uh, we'll be prepared for that, okay? Uh, yes. Her name is Pam Beck. Uh, her address is pambeckgardens.com on your, for your email. And if you go to the, web, to the website connected with that, you will find out all of her various talents and uh, what what she is about. She is talking with us tonight about the flowers and plants that are the symbols, the communication of uh, of Valentine's Day, and we're going to come back to that after we take this break on WPTF. Gardening person. I, don't, I, don't, I never like to use the word expert. That's too much of a burden for anybody, but... She does know her stuff, and she knows a lot about the history of plants and how they have been a part of our life. Pam, can I go? Can I go off on a uh, uh, explanation or something for about thirty seconds? Please. 
Well, yes, I was please. just thinking, you know, today when I was looking into this stuff and you reminded me of it, is that uh, plants as messengers uh, were used much more, they still are used, but were used in like in, in ancient and medieval times when we really didn't have, uh, when we were much closer to nature, you know, and uh, and uh, a present that you might give your true love might be a, a rose rather than some, uh, you know, a piece of metal or something like that or some chocolate or whatever. And uh, and so we've we've I know you've taught me that when we look at the flowers and stone glass stained glass windows of the medieval church, we're getting a message about the about the gospel and so on. And so when you uh, you get uh, one of those roses that we were talking about, or a carnation, or or maybe an iris, that's what I was thinking about. Uh, you would be sending a very special message, and so that's that's what we're we're talking about tonight. Uh, so I, I hope that with the way you think about it. Absolutely, and um, the fact that you would use flowers that were you were familiar with, things that grew where you lived, and um, there's nothing sweeter than, and I say this as a grandmother, than having, you know, somebody toddle up to you with some, some weeds that they've just pulled up and their chubby little fingers and handed to you is a, even as little ones, we understand that giving somebody something is a, is a, an offering of love, and that kind of love we can celebrate at uh, Valentine's as well as the romantic love uh, that we usually talk about this time of year. But um, the, you would use the plants that were available to you. Uh, but now, because we have so many things available to us, um, the things that normally come to mind when you think about Valentine's is a box of chocolates, a dozen red roses, and those roses might have come all the way from Colombia or from Europe and been shipped in. Um, and the chocolate definitely it has come a long way. It's probably come from Central or South America where it's been grown and, and processed and, and brought up. So uh, we we have expanded that use of local plants into something that's that's much more romantic. And probably the most famous plant food that we have to think about during Valentine's is chocolate. You know, everybody loves chocolate. Uh, are you giving Mrs. Kearney some chocolate this year? Uh, well, no comment on that. That's all. All right, all right. Well, I know that you... Um, you do watch your your um, calories and and things like that. So well, you know but, what um, I used to I, like to do. Uh, I don't walk so well anymore. But when I was younger, I would go over to the campus at NC State, and that's when Harrison Hall still existed, and the brickyard was out there, and there would always be some students selling roses. Maybe they, you know, uh, it was a horticultural. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. a fancy uh, forest, but it was. They were very serviceable roses, and probably done for. Horticultural product. You could get apple cider mm -hmm. at the right time of the year on the backyard too. But anyway, I would just walk over there and and uh, I always had the idea of not not having some very formally planned, but just kind of saying, "Here, there's what I want right there," you know. And, and, and Spontaneous. Yeah. Well, that's what we can even do that with chocolate. Now we have so many fabulous chocolatiers in Raleigh and in the surrounding areas. Um, I can't. I don't want to name them all because it, then I would show preference from one over the other because I inevitably leave somebody out. But I love walking into a chocolate shop where they have real 
cacao beans, and they have roasted them and are grinding them and turning them into these beautiful works of art that they sell now. And chocolate is an addictive, beautiful expression. But it wasn't always that way. It's a it's a native tree to Central and South America. It is a bean, which is really funny because we usually don't think of those fruits that grow in pods, uh, but each one of those pods contains about 40 cacao beans, and then those beans are taken and dried and roasted and enjoyed. And there is evidence um, of them being um, used because there's vessels that still have traces of theobromine, which is what the main ingredient in chocolate is, from about 1500 B.C., and uh, so they know that this was around that long. And so even before the Mayan culture was using it, it was used um, uh, very extensively. And also the Aztecs. And that's, that's how um, they would use this as a very spicy beverage for the, the celebration of the gods, but also mainly for the kings. And when, and if I'm not wrong, not wrong, the Aztecs at Montezuma, I think read that I must they must have been demitasse cups or something, but would take as many as fifty cups a day, and of course it had caffeine in it, and uh, it gave, it was it, it was a jolt, uh, but it didn't have any yeah. sugar in it. They they didn't have refined right. sugar like we have now. And, Right. They would spice it. Yeah, they would spice it. And if you've ever tasted just straight up chocolate, it is extremely bitter. And uh, but that's how it was used. And it was mainly used for energy. Um, Of course, it was also used uh, reportedly as an aphrodisiac. But it was um, it was mainly used for energy. So it was important for the military as well as for um, the ruler to have this. And that's the reason they had so many drinks today. But when the Spanish came in and they were introduced to this, they took this back to the court, and it was um, not that well received because it wasn't that good until the clever Spanish started sweetening this chocolate with cane sugar and cinnamon and spices that were available to the Europeans. And, and so then it became important. Do I remember, Pam, that for a while it was restricted to the court and the the upper upper the ups. Just uh, every folks couldn't 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 get yes. chocolate. Yeah, it was a closely guarded secret, and so um, it was it was one of those things that it took a while to leave Spain before it started spreading throughout Europe, and then it was the Dutch took it and started adding milk to it and made that lovely, you know, creamy milk chocolate that so many of us uh, are fond of, too. Uh, but it did come back to the American colony. It's funny, the Spanish, yes. We need to stop. If you want to find oh, out more well, about chocolate, hang on.
But I love I loved Wayne Newton's voice, and I there was a tickle uh, to hear. You know, it really was. Thank you. Well, tell Michael with you, ladies and gentlemen. Michael is Mr. Pam Beck, and uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we will take his request anytime he wants to play it for you. Okay. Thank you, thank you. That uh, yeah, that's uh, we were, it's been a while. We were talking about <laughs> chocolate when we when we went away, and. Uh, we were, and um, we are talking tonight about the plants that are associated with Valentine's, and we, we mentioned roses earlier, and I, it was it was great to hear that again. And um, we had segued into chocolate, which is probably the, the most popular Valentine's gift. Everybody seems to, to like chocolate in one form or another, and and it's, uh, it's one of those things that we've had a long time People, we've had a long history with this plant and and love it. And when the uh, the Dutch uh, found a way to make a, a powdered chocolate that was easier to move and and mix with other things, cacao powder, that's when we started adding more things like milk and and water and making chocolatey types of drinks, which is just wonderful. But um, it did it did come back to the Americas. Uh, in Florida on a Spanish ship. It was about 1640, and um, they brought it over, and and it made its way up to Boston, and by the time of the Revolutionary War, chocolate was provided to, uh, to the military as rations. And again, here's the whole thing about it being an energy stimulant, so it would keep people on their feet and keep them going. And if I'm not mistaken, in World War II, chocolate was part of the rations, for the soldiers, then I think Wilson right. Hershey made sure they got some some chocolate. That's, and that's when I, right. When it's, I was in high uh-huh. school, our football team—I was the manager—and my job was to give a Hershey bar to each player at halftime. That's amazing. That that is what a Hershey chocolate bar to keep them going. And, and you, see, you, you know when when they were trying to set up the European Union, the big battle broke out between uh, England and the and the Belgians. Because the Belgians maintain that milk chocolate is not chocolate, uh, <laughs> and, and what, what you buy in Brussels is chocolate. And I can remember well, stopping at a chocolate shop in Germany and getting some chocolate that was so rich that I almost wished I hadn't eaten it at some point. I know, I know. But, it's but, but we are we are passionate about our chocolate, there whether you go. we like it uh, milk white or or deep dark chocolate in that. 80 to 90 percent, you know, real cocoa. Um, that that is something that um, you know I'll leave up to everybody's taste buds. But I can tell you, you know, the the darker the better for me. But it has always been associated with the food of the gods. It was one of those very very special things, and um, it's still available everywhere as a as a token of love. So that may be something that you might consider uh, sharing with your loved one. Uh, another plant I wanted to mention that we often think about with the, with romance, too, is um, our grapes and wine. Because wine, if, if I may talk about wine on the air here, um, it is one of those things that we have been cultivating for at least 5,000 years ago. In Mesopotamia, they've got records of that growing uh, wine is mentioned as a uh, drink. It's mentioned in the Old and New Testaments of the of the Christian Bible. Uh, it's mentioned as the first 
uh, wine uh, grower was, uh, or who had the first orchard that's mentioned in the Bible was Noah. So supposedly after the ark settled, uh, that's what he and his sons uh, landed, and they, they started growing grapes and into wine. So this is another thing that we oftentimes think about. But you had a song on earlier. Tell me, was that song, was that Green Onions, that, that old song? It was Green Onions, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was. Everybody yeah. remarked yeah. about that song. and uh, I love yeah. it. I remember pretty, that. Was that the show. Ventures? Were yeah. they the ones who played? Pardon was it? Junior, Junior Walker, I think. Junior Walker and the All-Stars? Oh, my I, goodness. I believe okay. that's right. John may know the answer to that. Yeah, I was thinking it was Adventures for some reason. But anyway, green onions and garlic. This is so funny. We think of these as being almost a repulsive smell. But both of those historically were used as um, plants associated with love. That they, <laughs> they, Well, think about it. You take somebody to... A restaurant, what do you have? You have this lovely Italian meal with lots of garlic. Garlic is a stimulant, and um, it was thought to, to um, you know, create a romantic situation. Uh, onions are also, they've got a slight stimulating um, effect, but also they trigger the mucous membranes, which kind of opens up your, your nasal passages and, and um, makes you, you know, breathe a little bit more deeply. Maybe it's that that um, extra oxygen or something that gets to you that makes you feel better. Well, but it's funny that uh, green, on green onions and garlic like chocolate, and we didn't mention this part, or you didn't mention this part, because you were just thinking your lips because by thinking about sweet chocolate. But they're supposed mm-hmm. to have good stuff in them, you know, like vitamins and antioxidants and things like that. They, be good they for do. You. They do. They do. They're stimulants, and um, and they are, and that's the funny thing is, ancient people didn't know that you know that this that um, something might have caffeine, which was a stimulant in it, or something might have wine, which um, helps your health overall, and it's those trace minerals that might um, actually affect you more with its sugars, tannins, essential oils, and and the healthy aspects. Then the alcoholic content, you know, it, it, these things did help your health. Therefore, you felt better. Therefore, you were able to um, to lead a healthier life, and and that's all part of romance as well. Healthy and in love—that sounds pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But the, the funny thing about the garlic, I did want to mention, it is used since early Egyptian times as a um, as a love potion. And the Romans dedicated its powers to the goddess of fertility, Ceres, making love potion drinks from pressed garlic juice. And it's a natural antibiotic. So, you know, the um, next time you have spaghetti or something like that, you know, think about this. This is, this is a, a romantic dish. And you, we wouldn't think of this. Um, like cayenne pepper. Cayenne, uh, which is a capsicum, primary ingredient of Mexican cooking, it's a member of the nightshade family, which is full of things that we love and things that are dangerous, too. But the um, chili pepper is full of capsicum and vitamin C, and so it, it is stimulating. It's another one that's 
going to be very good for people to have and, and help them help them have a, a healthy meal and a healthy life and, and hopefully a healthy love life out, out of all this, too. When you're not rubbing it on your knees, you can be eating it to heat up your food. That's, yes, that's right. That's right. It's an ingredient in a lot of, of medicines yes. that heat things up. Yes. Yes, and, and it also helps alleviate headaches, which is um, it's capsicum. Again, it's that, um, that fiery, if you've got a cold or a slight headache, it's, it's one of those things that's good to eat. Even mustard uh, was thought to stir the passions. In fact, it was forbidden for use by monks at one time. Well, we, got to, we have to think about these people and... And in fact, even growing up in rural eastern North Carolina, there were things like tar plasters and mustard plasters and so on mm-hmm. that one did not know the mechanism that whereby they were supposed to make you feel better, but people believed that they brought brought relief. And, and if you go back 2,000 years, they were doing the same things. They didn't know why things worked, uh, and sometimes they did work, but sometimes they did, and that's, they, they prayed over them when they did. That's right. That's absolutely correct. What There's we got so to do now is, is to uh, to pause before you go to another subject and take okay. a break and come back and uh, say that we're talking to Pam Beck about uh, some of the uh, plants, some edibles, some that you just look at, some that you dab on you so that you will smell good, whatever that are part of uh, the the rituals that have to do with love making and and. You know, I learned today, Pam, that uh, that there was a holiday in the middle of February that was a Lupercala or something like that, and and it was a little bit like the situation we deal with with the, the holiday at, at the uh, time of what we now call Christmas. There was a there was a pagan holiday day, day there that celebrated fertility and everything, and when the Catholic Church came along, they wanted to cover it up. They wanted it to be a religious holiday. And so that's why St. Valentine got, got the call. Absolutely. Is that right? Did, you, did, I, did I get it right? I, I, you know, I am finding out more and more, the, the more I delve into history, that a lot of our um, celebrations had pagan origins, and that's, right. that's okay. We're that's still good. enjoying them. Well, once Christianity started taking over in the, you know, in the centuries after Christ, uh, they, they wanted to suppress these kind of bacchanalia kind of things with a lot of uh, drinking and, uh, well, one would not want to talk about what went on in Rome at the time of the Lupercalia, the, the pagan thing, but uh, names got tossed into hats and people went running around with, with without their clothes on. Well, anyway, that's, that's the show for another night. But uh, you can catch your breath here and we'll come back in just a couple of minutes on WPTF. for this Thursday night, February the 11th, uh, 2021. Pam, are you there? Here, Tom. I'm right here. Pam Beck is our guest tonight. And did, I think John told you that I got it wrong, that it's that it, that the, the, the Green Onion song is about Booker T and the MGs. MGs, yeah, that's a great song. Right. Well, as I said, two or three people have commented on that lately. I think they think it's, it's the best one of our bumpers, but... Uh, uh, it's just sort of made it, made it kind of special. Uh, the things that, that I think of that I want to do programs on, and it, it, 
I can put together, Pam, I'm going to, I'm going to probably throw you a curveball now, uh, are the things that you've talked about tonight, and that is red roses for a blue lady or, or not so blue lady, but roses and, and all that the, they mean in conducting ideas about love and romance at this time of year and other flowers too, and chocolate, which as you say, I think probably is in terms of the being given is given more often than, than flowers, uh, and you've talked about wine and uh, and other things. The other thing that I think is that one has in one's trunk if he shows up at his girlfriend's house and then he, he, he opens it up and he's got a little wine, a little chocolate, and some flowers, is he's got a movie. So uh, can I ask you a question? Sure. What is your favorite love romance movie? Oh, goodness. I could not just come up with one off the top of my head. Okay. There are so many good ones, and I remember I'm old, so I mean I remember um, the movie. Oh uh, gosh, um, Love Story from Ally McGraw was it, and uh, Ryan O'Neill. <laughs> that was way back when. Um, of course, I like all the old, the old classics too. But uh, you know, I can I can get into an old black and white movie. I love the dancing movies. You know, the movies of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, or oh, yeah. Catherine Hepburn, and um, what is the is it Philadelphia Story that she did with um, Cary Grant and okay, all those? Boy, we made later as a uh, high society with Bing Crosby and Grace Kelly. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well let me tell you mine and see if you if you've seen this is fairly recent. It's only twenty years old is You Got Mail with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan or when Harry Met Sally. Yeah, sweet, sweet, yeah. Those are great. Funny yeah, well, and funny and lovely. Yeah. Well I, you know, if uh, if if I was gonna show up at your house I would want to know which which to me you know, which DVD to bring with me, or, or <laughs> what kind of chocolate? Uh, and uh, I know Mrs. Carney. I told her I wanted to. She said, "Is there anything I should get at the grocery store?" She likes to go to Trader Joe's, and she came back with those bars of chocolate that are seventy percent chocolate. Oh, that was good. That was good. That is good. But I've taken you away from the flowers now. But. Uh, Oh, that's all right. Uh, you had mentioned roses and, and wanting to do the history of roses, and there's probably very few flowers that have been mentioned as much in literature and poetry and by the famous playwrights than perhaps roses. And, and um, roses are a very sentimental flower, and there are lots of native roses around the world, but most of the, the hybrid roses that we know now, the origins of those came from China. But they have been uh, respected since Roman times. Romans had a, a legend that um, there were suitors bent on marrying a beautiful young woman named Rodanthe. Now, Rodanthe, you may remember, is a town on the outer banks of North Carolina. Uh, and she was beautiful. where that came from. Now I know. Yeah, she was beautiful, and she didn't care for any of them. And they pursued her, and so it made um, the goddess Diana angry. 
So she turned Rodanthe into a rose and all of her suitors into thorns that would never reach her or bother her. <laughs> that was pretty good vindictive uh, way of dealing with these uh, annoying guys. But the um, rose is a flower emblem of England. Um, we, uh, you know, we love to talk about, you know, uh, Cupid and and roses and um, their symbols that we see in lots of art. Uh, the pink rose that we had talked about earlier about being a sweet or pure or um, innocent rose was the rose associated with the Virgin Mary. So even in um, artwork, you can find that or the white lily. But roses do have a great history for us. Uh, we are fond of them. They are um, do have lots of meaning. And we had mentioned earlier that the red rose was true love and passion and desire. But the uh, pink rose is, is sweetness and gentle and perfect happiness. And You know, our uh, friends across the water, our mother country, while it was forming up to, to have colonies from, including ourselves, which we had to break away from, had a series of wars where two different families were warring against each other and each of them had a rose as a symbol. Do you remember the Wars of the Roses? Yeah, the War of the Roses was in medieval England. Uh, yeah. And I've got the dates in front of me. It was uh, 1455 to 1487 between the houses of Lancaster and York. And it was based on the badges by the two sides. And the red rose was with the Lancaster family. The white rose was for the Yorkists. And um, what was interesting after all that, then... Uh, who came out on top ended up being the Tudors, and the Tudor rose was a very different rose entirely. So, uh, kind of kind of interesting how that how that happened. Well, uh, I think you have done a wonderful job tonight, and I know you've got a couple of roses in in your house tonight. Figured oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not literal roses, but uh, metaphorical roses. You know who I'm talking about. I do. I've got a couple of grandbabies visiting with their mom, and I am just over the moon that they're here. They're going to be with us uh, for a couple more days, and they'll go home on Valentine's Day to spend some time with their dad. But I'm enjoying them, and uh, we've already been out in the garden a little bit and, and playing in the flowers, and well, we've shared some chocolate with each other. So when you get to share some Chocolate and flowers with your loved ones this uh, Valentine's. Uh, just, just enjoy it, savor it. Well, I'm going to let you go now. I want to say goodbye to you, and I'll talk to you tomorrow or later. But thank you for being on with us tonight. Thank you, Tom. For Give everybody me. a hug Bye. and a kiss. Okay. Well, okay. thank you. Bye. Tom Kearney here. That was Pam Beck uh, Gardner, and talking about the plants and flowers of Valentine's tomorrow night will be a Friday night trivia night on the Tom Kearney.